You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Conversations. Not Your Average Perspectives. Not Your Average Black Girls. Not Your Average Black. Not Your Average Black Girls. Not Your Average Black. Not Your... We're finally back. We're back. back. Finally, season two. We are here. In case you did not know, we have Megan, Jordan, and Candice. Not Your Average Black Girls. And y'all know we got to kick season two off right. So we're going to jump straight into our Not Your Average Black Girls shout out. And Candice, who do you have for us today? All right, y'all. So we are changing it up on this episode, and I'm actually going to shout out a grown man. <laughs> so I'm going to say not your average black man shout out. So my shout out goes to Raphael Warnock, who is the now the first black senator for Georgia and the first black Democrat to represent a southern state in the Senate. Just a little bit of background on him. He is the senior pastor for Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church and has been since 2005. This church is famous because it's the same church that Martin Luther King Jr. preached at from 1960 until his death. He is also a Morehouse man. And as far as his political platform, he calls for criminal justice reform, a living wage, and expanding Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. And as an honorable mention, I want to bring up John Ossoff, who is also the first Jewish senator from Georgia at only 33 years old. It's a great time for us us Georgians, and I have to uh, just slip in there that Raphael Warnock is a Savannah native, so you know, great things come <laughs> from the city of Savannah, Georgia, so just wanted to put that on y'all's radar, let y'all know we don't be playing. Um, okay. <laughs> I, had, I, had to, I had to throw it in there. People got to know where he come from. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. So we're going to get right into today's topic. So topic for today is New Hollywood. And the big question we have is, can actors only play themselves? So I wanted to start off because I feel like it's important to have a blanket definition of what an actor or an actress is or what are they supposed to be doing before we get into like the real nitty gritty of the episode. So the definition of an actor and actress is one who behaves as if acting a part or a person who portrays a character in a performance. Okay. So I know probably like that's common sense, Candace. Why are you telling us that? I'm telling y'all that because I feel like nowadays the lines have gotten a little blurred 
And back in the day, the issue that Hollywood had was they made every character white. So whitewashing in Hollywood is definitely nothing new. Um, A couple of examples, back in 1963, Elizabeth Taylor played Cleopatra. For those of you who don't know, Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor is white. (laughs) Um, I think she passed, but either way, she was white. And then they had a British actor who was named Laurence Olivier. He played Othello in blackface back in 1965. And then lastly, but definitely not least, we have John Wayne who played Genghis Khan in yellowface. Even saying that, I just, it don't even sound right, in 1956. So that's just a little brief snippet of how Hollywood has always chosen white actors to portray minorities or people of color, however you want to phrase it, right? So the issue that we have today is that Hollywood has become a little bit more aware of it. Like people have been calling them out on whitewashing characters, but it's like, we still have some real problematic things going on. So I wanted to talk about some of these problematic roles that have happened really in the last decade, um, roughly. And I wanted to know how you ladies felt about some of these roles. So on the top of my list is Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone. Thoughts? I mean, I feel like Jordan has a lot to say. Jordan, what do you think about that? I um, I actually don't have a lot to say on this <laughs> one in particular, only because... When everything happened and I saw like the little preview, the clip for the movie, I was just like, no, like I was like, I I won't be watching that. And I kind of feel like um, Zoe Saldana is one of those people that in my mind, I had always regarded her as black. And so at the time that I saw the clip, even then I was like, no, (laughs) like this isn't the role for her. She just doesn't give me, you know, um, Nina Simone vibes. I think she can play an alien all day long. She can play a Colombian badass all day long. Just never thought that playing Nina Simone was ever the role for her. So all around, just based off of like her strengths as an actress, because I'm I'm not trying to downplay her. I think she's a, a great actress. But um, just whenever I consider the roles that I've seen her in and understanding like the strengths of the characters that she can portray, this just never seemed like a good fit for me to begin with. And then like the prosthetics and what I would consider to be blackface still, even though she, you know, she's not white. Um, it's still just, it, it didn't fit. And I will say it wasn't until later on in life that I learned that Zoe Saldana does not herself identify as black. So then I was like, well, what in the hell was you doing taking that role anyway? Personally. Um, but you know, I kind of feel like we find ourselves back at the question that we, that we're, I guess, going to get into today or, or ask is, Did I just not like her in that role because I felt like she legitimately just wasn't a good fit? Or did some people not like her in that role because she didn't identify as Black? And if it's the latter, does that not mean that she still wasn't entitled and should have still, you know, played that role because she is an actor and she's acting? So I will say that I've heard her in recent years since backtrack that statement and say that it is not that she is not black, that she was trying to say that she's not only 
black and i was like okay um you know i typically like her so i didn't want to focus like i was like eh, whatever i mean you said it we heard you but to each his own um i agree with you though i think that honestly from what i recall when i saw the preview i didn't think much of it i was like yeah i'm not watching that and i kept it moving um and it wasn't until later that i realized like oh they darkened her skin they gave her the prosthetics i was like well, why they didn't just let somebody else get the role? Um, but I think that you make a good point, Jordan, about like, you know, is that fair? Because she was acting or should the role have gone to someone else? Yeah, I, I understand both viewpoints. However, my issue, I guess I'm kind of leaning more in that camp of if you don't identify as black or you kind of on the fence about it, I'm not here for it at all. Because I think there are layers to that for why somebody would feel so strongly to say that they're not black or, you know, go back and forth about it. There are layers to that. And that's because in society, blackness has a negative connotation, right? And so you're trying to separate yourself from that because you don't like the negative that comes with it that society has placed on us unfairly or whatever for being black people. And so that's why I feel like Zoe Saldana is is problematic because she's trying to live in the in-between and you just can't do that. You know, unfortunately you can't. We As black people, a lot of us are mixed up with all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, I'm black. <laughs> like there just ain't no other way to put it. That's what I am. That's how I look. I know that I am black. I can claim my little 25% white all day long, but that really doesn't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? Like it's irrelevant. So I just feel like somebody like her and being at the level that she was and, and really still is, she should have known better. And I think she did come out later and say like she regrets taking the role and she should have used the leverage that she had to like turn it down and find a black woman to play her. Um, yeah, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> And that's what I was going to get at. Um, I feel like if we were going to criticize her for taking the role um, and you don't identify as Black, I would at least think that she would consider herself to be a Black ally because you look so damn close to us, you would be a fool not to be an ally. And so if she had the opportunity and she felt like it wasn't a good fit for her for personal reasons, then she should have used that new you know, opportunity or platform that she had to find a black actress to fill that role. Cause I think on the flip side of it, and if we look at the historical references that you gave earlier, Hollywood tried to make it seem as if there were only white people available to act in general. You know, it started with the whitewashing or it's called whitewashing and they did the blackface. But once black people started to get into acting, they started to be very, um, I don't know, I guess the word would be like exclusive of other black actors getting into the role it was already a competitive industry but it's even more competitive when you're a black person trying to get in because we've seen it when we talked about like kevin hart and others in the past but once hollywood has that one black person or those two black people that they deem funny or that they deem you know the action star or they deem the bombshell then you see them recycle throughout everything to the point that you be getting the movies confused because you've seen them in so many things mm -hmm. they did it with denzel washington they did it with kevin hart 
Um, I feel like Taraji P. Henson keeps coming to mind because you just see her in so many things, but Taraji P. Henson being a black movie, so it might be a little bit different, but still <laughs> they, they do it a lot, you know? So I think that was, um, the other issue with, so with Zoe Saldana is we're trying to be more inclusive amongst ourselves and our allies. We have to really look out for ourselves and do it ourselves and, and help each other. And she was in a position to help someone instead of being greedy over a role I'm not going to say that she wasn't that attached to, but one that she has been recorded not admitting or not admitting, uh, but not relating to because she didn't relate to black people. So um, that that was kind of like another another tisk tisk on her end that I think people could have had with her taking that role. So I also right. will say I think that ignorance is bliss sometimes, and just playing like I agree with the both of you, but I think. Um, to offer up a different perspective and to play devil's advocate, so to speak, she probably thought it was all right. Because if you look at the history of how she was introduced to black people, you know, her character on Crossroads with Britney Spears was definitely a black girl. Her character um, in Drumline was a black girl, you know, captain of the dance line. And so in her mind, I think maybe she thought, oh, well, this is okay. I'm a part of the black community. Like she, you know, has changed up her words so many times with how she identifies as being a part of the black community. But I will say that I can see how on the surface, she probably thought it was fine because she done, she done portray black women before. What's the difference now? Um, and I think that just goes to show that, you know, sometimes they don't offer up roles to like enough people of color. You know, she was a popular name. And so it easily went to her. Well, my rebuttal to that is um, ignorance being bliss is only a white person's luxury. And she had to learn that when she felt the backlash of taking that role. Just like every black person learns it whenever you grow from adolescence into maturity. At some point, we all have a story where you really realize this world sees me as a black adult, you know, a black adult, not a black child. And you may have been 12, 11 nine i'm all over the place when it comes to these numbers but you may have been a child when you realize this out but every black person has a story or will have one when they realize this world sees me as either a threat because of my color they see me as a threat because of my color or they see me as um or they're going to take issue with the things that i do because of my color and so i feel like this was her wake-up call if ignorance was the true culprit well i bet she ain't ignorant no more so (laughs) All right. Well, I think we kind of hammered that one pretty well. So let's move on to the next person on the list. Um, So we have, well, I'm going to kind of lump all these together and y'all can just kind of choose which one y'all want to address because really all these people are white to my knowledge. Um, So (laughs) we have Angelina Jolie. She played Marianne Pearl, who was of Afro-Cuban descent in the movie called A Mighty Heart. And they did put a kinky wig on Angelina Jolie's head. So I just want to throw that in there. Um, Also, Scarlett Johansson. She played an Asian character in the movie Ghost in the Shell. Then we have Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. He played a Persian in Prince of Persia. And so I just want to know, y'all can address either or or any or whatever y'all want to do. I just want to know how y'all feel about that because these, what, three people I just named off, you know, they're pretty big name actors and actresses. They've, they've kind of made a name for themselves. They've showcased their talents. So I just want to know how y'all feel about them taking on some of these minority roles. 
<laughs> I remember when Scarlett Johansson came under fire for that role. She was like, I'm an actress and I'm acting. And they offered me this role and I wanted it and I took it. And sis said she wasn't about to go hungry for y'all. <laughs> so let me say this. I I actually watched that movie um, not too long ago. And I was pissed when I watched it. When I realized what was happening, I was pissed because for those who haven't seen it, and I don't know if y'all have, the premise is this is like the future sometime. And um, the government has basically just created a way of instilling human minds in robots or um, upgrading human bodies with robot parts. And so she was the very first of her kind to have a human mind installed in a robot that was used obviously to be like a fighting weapon for the government. And so what they did was the concept in the story is they took an Asian girl's mind and put her in a, in a white robot body. That's how they covered it up in the story. And so I'm the kind of person where, and Megan knows this, I feel like y'all know this too. <clears throat> Excuse me, y'all. I like to know what's coming. Oh, I'm tripping. I like to know what's coming. So you need some um, milk. <laughs> no, I need some milk or some water. Some, 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 some. Well, hold on. Y'all take it over. Hold on. Okay. My bad. I'm back. Okay. Excuse me, y'all. Excuse me, y'all. So anyway, um, yeah, they have put a Asian girl's mind in a white looking ghost shell body. And so when I really realized what was going on, like I said, I looked the story up because I like to know what's coming. And so that's when I did research because it was actually a magazine. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is Japan or like this is supposed to be like an Asian comic, because a lot of the characters in there were like white for the most part, with the exception of their like squadron leader. He was the only one that was Asian and they were speaking like Japanese, I assume. But majority of the characters throughout that movie were white. And I was like, what in the hell is happening here? And so I got real pissed. This was literally like two, three weeks ago when I saw that movie. And I was pissed when I realized what was going on. But I also wanted to say too, wasn't it like not too long ago when they tried to say that Scarlett Johansson had like one of the most like racially ambiguous faces or something that she was like a like mm -hmm. a racially ambiguous person and I was like no she's not just because she's a white girl with hips that y'all they first of all they swore she had you know a body on her which I'm not saying that she doesn't but I was like what are they talking about but they just wasn't she was serious. like the most curvaceous white woman ever you know and they're like oh she's racially ambiguous and I was like because her lips are full like not even plump. Because that's a reach. It's like, I don't even know how else to put it. Like, I personally am not a Scarlett Johansson fan. Never have been. Nothing against her. I'm not saying she can't act or anything. I just, you know how there are just some people you just don't care for. She's just one of them actors. I'm just like, eh, okay, good, good for you, girl. You know, but I definitely remember that. And I remember it was like her and I think like Katy Perry. And then that model, I can remember her name right now. But they were like at the top three on that list as like most beautiful people because having the most symmetric faces. And then they like threw Beyonce on there as like the token or whatever. And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> y'all could have kept this all the way to y'all selves. <laughs> y'all, Katy Perry, and I say this out of all like love, like no, no shade, but Katy Perry looks like a troll to me. I've always said that. Like, have y'all ever seen Halloween Town? Like, and this could have been, was it Halloween Town? It was one of the Halloween Town movies when that girl troll was introduced or whatever. Like, I'm not in this. high school. I'm not. Mine was in high school. Remember, and her homegirl was that troll, and she had like those big blue eyes and a little button nose and that brown hair with the bangs, looking exactly like Katy Perry in them. 
Uh, ever since then, I've been like, wow, she looks like a troll. Yeah, I'm not what doing this, one. Jordan. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Dice, who else you got on your yeah, list? Yeah, let's roll us back in. <laughs> let's kind of get back on track. All right, so um, next on the list, we have Jared Leto. He played a transgender woman in the movie Dallas Buyers Club. And we also have Johnny Depp, who played a Native American in The Lone Ranger. And then we have Jude DeMorris, who was on that show Star, and she played a biracial person. So, thoughts? Let me just say, Jordan is the only person who cares about this Jude Morris girl. <laughs> Dyson, I don't even halfway know who she is, but Jordan will not <laughs> let it go. It's active with me. It's active. Like that Jude Demores thing really stirred my core. Whenever I be like figuring out stuff on my own or for myself, I really feel like Hollywood tries to get over on us. Like that's how I felt about Ghost in a Shell. And that's exactly how I feel about Jude Demores because I just did not see enough explanation about that. Like, or I didn't see enough of a riot caused behind that. And I didn't even watch the show. Can I say something? But all I think is go ahead. I saw a clip. The other day on Twitter, it was like a thread about like memorable scenes or whatever on um, TV shows. And there was a clip from Star and I didn't intentionally watch it. I was actually trying to skip over it um, to a show that I knew. And it was like a scene where she was at a press conference and she stood up and she was like going off on everybody and was like, oh, if you want to know who got me pregnant, um, instead of worrying about me, ask your mama who your real daddy is. And it was like, it was very, you know, I'm not trying to lump us together because I hate when other people try to lump us black people together. But I'm gonna just be honest, like it was real hood. And I was offended when I saw it because I was like, why they got this white girl up there acting hood? Like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, um, what the description of her character is for people who watch the show maybe someone can tell us but I, when I look at her I can tell she's white so I guess my misunderstanding is how were they able to convince people that she was supposed to be playing this black girl if that's who she was supposed to be playing but I just had to say I was offended so I'm glad that the show is canceled because um that scene offended me I was like oh is that how she think we act in public that's how she <laughs> think we do I, I ain't like it at all I'm be honest we yeah I, I think the problem is the reason why enough people don't know about it is because i don't think enough people watch the show you know what i'm saying so i feel like that's probably why it didn't come under that that firestorm that you know jordan wanted and i think it's strictly because people just didn't know who the hell she was um but as far as like some of these other people the one that this is really interesting to me so the jared leto playing transgender in Dawes Buyers Club. Okay, so I don't know how familiar you are all with Jared Leto, but he's he's a pretty, you know, up there actor or whatever. Has that's the Joker, name. baby. Yeah, he's definitely made a name for himself, even though I did not like his version of the Joker, but that's neither here nor there. He was fine. Um, but moving right along. Um, so here's where I, and I know maybe we're not the best people to go into too much detail about this because I don't think any of us identify as LGBTQ plus or anything like that. Um, if you do, good for you. And I mean, nothing wrong with it. I just say, I'm saying this to preface what I'm going to say. I want to know, where is the line? Because some people in that community seem to be offended by Jared Leto playing a trans character. Excuse me, a transgender woman. I'm going to get specific because I think there's something about the term trans that can be offensive. So I apologize. 
Um, so some people in that community were offended by it and felt like the role should have gone to an actual transgender woman. Right. But then i also feel like it kind of harkens back to what Jordan was saying earlier, where it's like, well, maybe this is the person that just was right for the role. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe they just wanted that name because he's a big name. But then I don't really know because Matthew McConaughey is also in that movie. So he's obviously a really big name too. So it can kind of go a lot of different directions. But then if we fast forward to present day, we have Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, right? Who was the main um, character in Juno who had that lead role and he used to be a female and and now identifies as male and he's going to continue his cisgendered female role on that show on Netflix, the umbrella Academy. So I know I'm lumping all this together, but I'm lumping it all together because it's all kind of under that LGBTQ plus umbrella, right. In its own, in its own way. So what I'm trying to understand is where's the line? Because you have some people, for example, with the Elliot Page situation, you have the director for transgender media at GLAAD saying trans actors can and do play both trans and cisgender characters. I'm sure Elliot will continue to be brilliant in Umbrella Academy and many different types of roles in the future, end quote. That was a direct quote. So he's clearly fine with Elliot carrying on this cisgendered female role. But obviously there are some cisgendered females that could take that role. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know. I know I just said a whole lot, but I just really want to understand <laughs> where are we at with this? Because it's very confusing to me. I think, um, I think acting in Hollywood needs to really sit down and map out a plan of attack for handling the newfound um, diversity and inclusive mindset that America is now in, right? And so with that, I think they need to break down the different subcultures and subpopulations of how people identify and say, okay, what are our, what are our boundaries in reference to respecting this particular group of people, but yet making sure we still have acting, that we still stay true to the art of acting and character portrayal, um, and I'm, I'm not necessarily, and I, I feel like we, we need to, um, I guess, identify the hypocrisy just a little bit because I'm not necessarily speaking in reference to the Black community because, like I said earlier, reference to Zoe Saldana, we deal with our own struggles of just trying to get roles to just play ourselves, you know what I'm saying, to just play ourselves alone in Hollywood, for one. And then even if there is kind of like an increase or influx in roles or stories that talk about Black people or tell black stories still Hollywood like I said is very exclusive and only wants to recycle the same people in those roles but anyway got off on a tangent going back to the other subgroups like I said Hollywood needs to figure out how are we going to respect these communities but yet still stay true to the character portrayal and the art of quote unquote the theater you know um and when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community I think that's where it gets it gets a little, it gets hazy. It gets hazy because now that you have so many actors or you have an influx of people who are a part of this community and you have an increase in stories that are being told about this community now that are hitting theaters and hitting Netflix and Hulu and things like that. 
you need to figure out, do I go with the best actor for the job? And is the detailed description of the best actor for a job doesn't include someone who's actually a part of this community. And I feel like if it doesn't, they need to stand in your choice. If you were to face backlash and say, I wanted to tell this story. I, it's my story. I knew how I wanted it to be told. And unfortunately, I felt like whoever X, Y, and Z is actor that I chose, I feel like this person is the best person to tell that story. We didn't have, you know, great actors that were members of the LGBTQ plus community to come in and, and audition for it and vice versa. If that's the case, like say, well, I feel like this story would only be best told if a member of the LGBTQ plus community told it because when, um, what, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Gardner. I remember when she played, um, the, the transgender, um, the role remember when she was like it's not a million dollar baby that's a complete lie but wasn't she like a boxer i don't know or something like that let me shut up anyway she had like cut her hair and she played a boy and something and no one said anything about that i mean oh, she ended up winning about, what's her name um it was jennifer no, gardner no that's not her name it's um, um hillary swank hillary swank yeah you talking about hillary swank yeah i was going in that movie where she she obviously was going through that like transition yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was like, that was like back in like the nineties or early yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And she got a lot of acclaim for that, you know? So are granted, you talking that was a about, different time. Are you talking about the movie with Hillary Swank where she was, okay, maybe I'm thinking about a different movie. Cause I remember a movie where she like was dressing as a, as a man, but it was like a part of a ploy to get close to a guy that she liked, but her character was not transitioning. I don't know. Maybe we're talking about two separate movies. I don't know. Yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah, in the movie I'm talking about, she had a girlfriend. Yeah, so. she had a girlfriend and she tried to pass as a man and yeah. the girlfriend was the only one that knew that she was actually a woman. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, I think Whenever we're trying to just, first of all, escape from reality, which is what people do whenever you go to the movies, but then also too, when you're on the production side of it and you're trying to appreciate the art of theater and like I say, character portrayal, um, that kind of conflicts with this new way of thinking that we're in. And I think people just kind of need to get out their feelings a little bit and realize that this is make-believe. Um and, and understand that not everything is intended to be offensive. You know, everything is not intended to be offensive. Sometimes you got to put the true essence of the art, um, of the the movie, the episode, whatever it is, above personal feelings. And if your personal feelings can be taken out and it's still a good piece of work and, you know, it hasn't been like morally incomparable, then... You got to just let that ride. I will say that I do think that like, and I'm sure there are people who will feel differently and that's fine. I do think there has to be some consistency because like the same way that we feel about, you know, people repeatedly giving um, roles that are clearly for a person of color to a white person, you know, allowing them to portray um, people who, who they just are not. I do think that there has to be some balance. Um, I think that if someone is, you know, identifies as gender fluid, then okay, you know, go for it. They can um, audition and, you know, go for any role that they want because that's, you know, they identify as gender fluid. But I do think that you have to take a step back, I guess, for those people who are making these casting decisions and you have to evaluate now, 
I just feel like you're kind of crossing into a territory to where it's like, okay, so I'm I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of someone who just identifies like as cisgender um, and just that, like nothing more. Um, I'm just thinking like if I was an actress, right, that it might cross my mind that, okay, so because this person um is is transgender it is okay for them to audition for roles that are written for both men and women i'm just going off of that quote from the the glad um president or director whatever that dice gave us but because i am not transgender i don't have that luxury of going out for and or being considered for both roles i just think that it's it's one of those things to where it's like I understand that people don't want to miss out on money, but I almost feel like it's unfair for, so is it right for someone who is transgender to have opportunities to more money and someone who is cisgender to only be limited to certain options? Like, I do feel like, I don't know, just from listening, hearing y'all talk, I do feel like with this situation, like, I kind of feel like Elliot Page um, should step down. And I do feel like that role should go to someone who is a cisgendered woman because you no longer identify with the character with the way that the role is written and so I just feel like why can that paycheck not go to someone who does identify and I do agree that like you know we go to the movies we watch tv and everything to escape however it has to somewhat be realistic in order for someone to escape you know what I mean like it has to somewhat seem like this could happen unless you're watching like sci-fi that's completely different but I I do I don't know I'm I'm torn with this like on one hand I feel like you know Elliot Page and anyone else who is in this predicament should step down and pave the way for someone else to kind of have a you know a leg up in the industry but then um on the other hand I can see where someone would say well no you can go out for whatever role that you want I just think it's I, I think it's interesting how like with race for a lot of people, it's a very clear line. Like, no, this white mm-hmm. person should not be playing this role. But when it comes to anyone from the LGBTQ plus community, it's it's like this, from what I've observed, just from the world in general, it's like this timidness to say what you really mm-hmm. think because no one wants to be offensive. And I know that mm-hmm. for me, it's not about like discrimination. Like I'm an ally to the LGBTQ community. It's not about discrimination. It's just like the way I look at things, right is right and wrong is wrong. And I do feel like, okay, if it's not okay for a white person to play a black person, then in my opinion, it is not okay for um, someone who does not identify as a man to play a man and vice versa. Someone who does not identify as a woman to play a woman. Um, I feel like if you're a transgender man, you can play a man. That's fine by me. But I, I don't know that that's right. You know, I, I just think of all the all the news and all the blogs and all the the causes we've seen of people standing up for transgender men and women getting access to roles. And here we are with a situation of where it's kind of now the opposite. It's like, okay, so now we're actually looking at, well, should this role go to someone who is not transgender? I I think it's going to I think it's going to make for interesting times moving forward. I feel like we're almost going to cross into a lane where, um, it might be harder and harder for cisgendered men and or women to access roles. I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of the vibes I'm getting from this. Yeah, Megan, I think, I'm sorry, I got one more thing to say, but I was just going to say being torn, I feel like it's the best way 
to describe it is being torn. And when I heard the news about Elliot Page, immediately, I don't know why, but my first thought was, oh, well, we're just about to see an influx in LGBTQ plus based stories being told in Hollywood. Not like there aren't already a lot, but I just figured we're about to start seeing even more so um, we could have like a direct character portrayal. And I think you were on to something when you say like, yeah, we go to the movies or, you know, like we enjoy watching things to escape, but it does still need to, I think, reflect reality a little bit. And I mean, there's still, uh, or it, it is still a part of reality to see families that are made up of LGBTQ plus parents, you know what I'm saying? Or LGBTQ plus children. So I think there's still a way to tell those stories in Hollywood where they create a character or add that character's story in a story that they already have going on that will then further increase the need for um, a member who, you know, or someone to play this role who is a direct member of that that community if that's you know the way that we want to go with it but it's it's very it's very confusing and I do understand wanting to respect everyone on both sides but yet also still needing to have like a hard and fastened um limit because if not it can bleed into so many things like it could bleed into age like from now on we will only have people who are 18 playing 18 year olds you know it it could just bleed into so many other issues so we'll see there's definitely levels to it um i want to wrap up the lgbtq plus discussion with a quote from billy eichner i don't know if y'all know who he is but he's hilarious um he used to have this little um stint called billy on the street i believe when he just like be accosting random people on the street and he also had a a small role on parks and recreation i don't know i always thought he was really funny um but nevertheless he said we have the lived in experience. He's gay. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> we have the lived in experience to bring the intellectual nuance of it to the screen. I don't have to go sit with 30 gay people and try to find out what it's like to be gay. I know, and no one knows better than me and my friends. I think we need to stop undervaluing that. The feeling that if a gay person plays a gay person, it's not acting. But if a straight person plays a gay person, we give them an Oscar end quote i would have to agree yeah so i think there's you know and that's coming from somebody who's in the field and who also identifies as gay um so i think there is you know again many many layers to that discussion but we're going to move on to the next set of actors really i think it's only like one person left but this one is a whole can of worms within itself so i apologize in advance because i do not know how to pronounce his last name but daniel kaluuya kaluuya yeah, anyway, we're going to go with that. Daniel Kaluuya, who was the guy who played the main character in the movie Get Out, is going to be, well, is playing Fred Hampton in the upcoming film Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, for those who don't know, Fred Hampton was the famous Black Panthers chairman. Um, so, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In case our listeners, if y'all are new to the Not Your Average Black Girls podcast, we do on occasion host some lives or some Zoom calls and we have our discussions with our listeners. So if you are not already subscribed, you know, hit subscribe. We will always, you know, try to announce when we are going to do it. We also announce it on our social media accounts, NYABG Pod on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter. So with that being said, on our last Zoom call with our listeners, we did kind of talk about this um, because the issue that some people have is they feel like Daniel Kaluuya should definitely not be playing Fred Hampton because he is British. And Daniel Kaluuya himself had said that he spoke with Fred Hampton's family. He got their approval to, you know, play the part, et cetera, et cetera. And he basically said that he's tired of having to prove his blackness or prove that he's black. I'm paraphrasing. Um, So nevertheless, when we had this discussion on the live, and y'all can actually see a snippet of this on our Instagram page, as I said before, NYABG pod. Um, and we kind of went back and forth about it, but mostly we kind of all felt like people just need to suck it up, (laughs) um, you know, because he is still a black man, British or not. However, you know, we also know that our opinion is not the only opinion out here in the world. So I know Megan is a big fan of playing devil's advocate. So I'm going to ask her to step in here and, um, provide her two cents. I just like to offer both perspectives of any situation. Um, it is Kaluuya, by the way, I was going to tell you that. Um, you know, I think this is very interesting because I have no problem with him playing any role written for a black man that he wants to play. Just my personal opinions on the situation, but, but to offer what I know is the other side. I think the sentiment is that, okay, it's not that we're saying he's not black. We, we can see, you know, that he is black. He is a nice dark chocolate um, man. And so we see that he's black. There's no disputing, you know, that his, that's his descent. Um, I think that the issue for a lot of people is that there are so many American actors that struggle to get a chance, struggle to get their foot in the door. And so they feel like, you know, I guess why are filmmakers or casting directors or whoever not reaching out to the home base first for some of these roles, especially monumental roles and historical roles, such as the one that he's getting ready to play, as opposed to looking elsewhere. Um, and, and I can definitely see both sides where people feel like, you know, oh, yet again, it's the the Black Americans that are getting the short end of the stick. Um, but then I also see the other side to where it's like, well, he's a Black man. Um, and any movie I've seen him in, he has played the hell out of his roles. And so it's, I guess I just don't see where it's a loss. Um, but I do see the point of the other side. I do see where a lot of people, and this goes so much deeper and I won't even get into it, but I was in a clubhouse room recently where they were talking about how they feel like, um, African Americans in America, 
uh, despite our contributions to the success of this land are constantly at the bottom of the barrel that black people from other places come before us um and how we can't figure out how to get from up underneath them and so i do understand the frustration but i think um i think people need to give him you know give him a break and and i also think that people also you know <laughs> they underestimate the level of racism that people also go through in the UK. Like just because he's British doesn't mean that he can't relate to um the black struggle. So that's kind of my take. But I'm, I mean, I love him. I can't wait to see him in the movie. Jordan. Yeah, I think I'm um I'm kind of splitting the fence with this one because I do quite enjoy him personally as an actor. Um, but I do understand why people are upset um, being black as, you know, people being black Americans. I mean, I do understand why people are upset because it goes back to one of the things that I said earlier, where whenever you have good black, good black actors in Hollywood, it seems like I can't talk today. Um, they recycle them and it's hard for other black people who would, you know, just very well, just as well, I guess, do the role justice to get that chance for a breakout role. And especially when this is one that's telling the story of a black American activist, you know, and you both touched on it where black people have dealt with racism and pain, no matter what country of origin they seem to come from. Um, because, you know, racism is way beyond the bounds of just America, or I'll just say the prejudice of it anyway. And so I'm sure he has his own experiences that he'll be able to pull from and relate to when he tells this story. Um, but Black Americans would have liked to, you know, have seen it told from an actual Black American where it is assumed that having been a part of this nation, grown up in this nation, and just seeing what we're going through right now in this nation, too. I think the timing of the announcement didn't really read the room that well. It's not to say that maybe we would not have accepted him in this role had they not announced it at another time, but 2020 just was not the time. 2020 was not the time. So I think you have to take that into effect, too, as to how how well it was received by people. But nonetheless, you know, I still think he'll be met with support from other actors and from people within the industry and outside of the industry. And, and I'm interested to see what he does in it because I do enjoy him as a person. So not as a person, but as an actor. Oh, I wish I could enjoy him as a person. I wish I knew that. <laughs> I wish. All right, man. But after dark. Like that. I'm just saying, you know, like as a person. Anyway. My ABG after yeah. dark. We're going to start a whole new series. I'm claiming it. I'm going to enjoy him as a person, y'all. I'm claiming it. Oh, <laughs> my ABG, cut well, what you think what you think like, guys? Sweat when you get on the mic i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry never nevertheless um yeah i i think that both sides have very valid points and i think that when we discussed this on our zoom call with our listeners recently i feel like you know some of the things that our listeners said i can agree with because i feel like we're not actors right and so I don't know that struggle. I don't know what it's like as a black actor or any, you know, minority actor to try out for roles that are supposedly supposed to be for you and you don't get them and they choose somebody who's not from, you know, America to play an American. I, I definitely imagine that if that was my, my field, I would be very frustrated by it. Um, so I think we have to get out of this whole like I think Jordan said this earlier, there can only be one or two. Um, Hollywood really has to just cut that out. Um, 
while I think Daniel Kaluuya is a great actor, I do think that he's clearly carving out a niche for himself, right? So he he has made that lane for himself that unfortunately I feel like some other Black actors have not because I think they are probably too afraid of being like typecast or pigeonholed or whatever. And so I think Daniel Kaluuya was like, I'm gonna just keep playing these roles because these roles are working for me. You know what I'm saying? So from an actor perspective, he trying to get his, get his check. You know, um, and I'm not saying he's not passionate about his roles. I'm just saying the man found his niche. And I think that's where, you know, actors go wrong sometimes is they try to be everything to everyone. And maybe that's not something that they can do. Um, I did want to tie in this quote that I found. And it's not a new quote, but it's fairly recent. I think it was from 2014 or 2015, where a filmmaker named Gavin Pallone wrote in New York Magazine, African-American actors don't sell overseas unless, of course, they are Will Smith or Denzel Washington, but only in a thriller or action movie. I have on more than one occasion been told that a studio wouldn't approve a black lead in one of my films because it would bring down the international numbers. So, um, <laughs> I, again, this quote is a little old, but not super old. And I found that to be really interesting because I'm like, again, why is it? I don't know about y'all. I'm tired of seeing Will Smith and Denzel. You know, they were great. You know what I'm saying? Great for their time. But I'm like, let's stop acting like there aren't younger actors out here who can still play some roles. I mean, you know, Denzel getting up there. And same with Will Smith. Like, these, these ain't no young whippersnappers no more. And so I'm like... <laughs> How long are we going to continue to like beat these people to, the, you know, like, come on, you know? So I just think Hollywood needs to stop pretending like, oh, there's nobody else. The only reason why Will Smith and Denzel are, are who they are is because y'all continue to recycle them all the time. So that whole like, oh, black people want to appeal to international audiences. The whole thing is a contradiction. So they appeal when it's Will Smith and Denzel. Why y'all think that is? That's because that's the only people they see. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, that's because like, they've shoved them down their throats for so many exactly. years. Yeah, they know them Visibility. now. So that's how I wanted to end that. But if y'all have any other things y'all want to add before we get to the final verdict on this topic. I was going to say, and I mean, this could potentially tie into the final verdict. I don't know. You'll just tell me. But... um. I was going to think one thing, one thing that I thought about with Daniel Kaluuya was that, you know, he has been in a lot, he has been in a lot of movies and some of the movies have been like very talked up and some of them have not been. And I think for me, and I'm just like, this as a person for me, it's the lack of consistency because I did not see any backlash when he played in Queen and Slim. I did not see any backlash when he played in Widows. I did not see any backlash when he played in Black Panther. Um, you know, and, and I just think for me, like I said, for me, it's the consistency. Why do people, I don't like when people pick and choose. I feel like if it's a problem, then say it's a problem in general. Um, and, and that's just how I am with things. Like, I don't like no flip-flopping. I feel like stand on what you feel and let that be that. And I also want to say that I think that a lot of people live on shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And I personally noticed that people did not take an issue with this man's success over here in American movies until Get Out took off the way that it did. Um, and I know that I said this on our on our Zoom chat with our listeners, but what a lot of people don't know is that 
he was one of the few people that was willing to take a chance on Get Out because a lot of people didn't want to take Jordan Peele seriously, another successful Black man with a serious movie. People thought he was writing a comedy. When they found out it was serious, a lot of people didn't know if it would sell and it was touching on race relations and, ooh, I don't know if I want to, you know, be blacklisted for that. And so I, I do think it's one of those things to where it's like, Obviously, I'm no celebrity or actor, but I do think that for people who take a personal issue with it from an actor perspective, I think that if anything can be learned from Daniel Kaluuya's success thus far is sometimes you have to take a chance. I think that one of the reasons he's as successful as he is is because he took a chance. Get Out is what got his name out there. And and he took a chance on a movie and he didn't know if it would sell or not. But I mean, look at what it did for him. So that's all I wanted to say on that is I think people have to be consistent and, um, you know, don't have an issue after the fact. When Get Out first came out, no one cared. But when it blew up the way it did, it was like, well, should he have played that role? He's not from America. You didn't feel that way when you saw it. So, you know, that's just that's my two cents on that. Jordan, anything you'd like to add? Um, I just want to double back and say what I said in the beginning. I think, um, each Hollywood house or acting house or whatever it is, you know, a film production company is just going to need to really sit down and say, okay, what's going to be our protocol on this? And and I guess that kind of goes more into effectuating Megan's consistency notion, you know, what's going to be our protocol for each type of, you know, group of people. Granted that might get them into trouble because watch that protocol be racist and, you know, discriminatory as hell, but (laughs) they just need to sit down and say, you know, what, what, what are our limits? Like what are our limitations? What can we, you know, push the envelope up to, I guess, in terms of respect and having, you know, as accurate of a character portrayal as possible. And then what are the things that we aren't willing to waver on if and when we just feel like this story needs to be told. Um, And we don't care if the person is a member of whatever subgroup. And like I said, once they do that, they're going to need to stand behind it and defend it. You know, I don't want to hear all these. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Cause we do now, you know, you know, and just say, look, this, when it comes to us, when it comes to Jordan and motion pictures, this is what we do. You know, this is, this is how we feel about stories on this, that, and the third. Jordan and motion. Jordan and motion pictures, yeah. But, you know, just as an example. So, anyway, we'll see. Watch the issue never get resolved. You know, hey, we'll forever be discussing this. Listen, just in case we have any, you know, actors listening or, um, you know, actors in training or people who have that desire, I can give just one tip that I've received from a friend. Um, also, just on the surface of things, agency matters. Get you a good agent because I have a friend who turned down a role for Pretty Little Liars and she would not have even had the opportunity had she not had a bomb agent. So just wanted to put that out there and say a lot of this has to do with the fact that some of these actors have trash agents. But turned it down? She turned it. She did. The timing was off. But the point is she would not have had that opportunity and auditioned, et cetera, et cetera, had it not been for her agent who was really good, who got her that opportunity. So... But one thing I also want to say, too, is if we have any actors or directors or screenwriters or just anyone who, you know, is a part of the acting guild, like get active in our comment section on Facebook, Instagram. We have a YouTube now too. tweet us on Twitter, do something and tell us, you know, like your thoughts on the issue and just any suggestions that you have, because I would like to hear from someone who's actually, you know, um, in the industry. 
All right. Well, you guys, I think we covered this pretty well. As far as the final verdict, is it wrong or is it right for actors or actresses to play roles they may not be able to relate to? I just kind of feel like we don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, well, what you think? Back where we started. What you think? Because this, this was your topic. Like, do you have a final feeling about it or not really? I don't because I feel like, like I said, there's so many layers. There's so many levels to it. it it's so many nuances. I can't give a definitive answer. I agree with what Jordan said earlier that the race thing is kind of like a no-brainer. Like if you have an Asian role, it needs to go to an Asian person. Um, a, a black role needs to go to a black person, etc. I, I have no qualms about that whatsoever. I don't think we need to be putting anybody in blackface or in kinky wigs. It's just unnecessary. Um, but when it comes to the LGBTQ+, like we said earlier, like, I don't know, like, I kind of see both sides. It's, I don't know. And I'm also not in that community. So that's why I also think my view might be a little off. So if anybody in that community wants to leave us a comment on our Instagram at NYABGpod, please feel free to share your thoughts with us because I would love to know, like, how you guys truly feel about straight actors or cisgender actors playing transgender roles or, you know, um, gay roles, however you want to put it. And yeah, that's, that's about it y'all for real. Well, y'all good. All right. Agree. I mean, (laughs) I just would say, I mean, do you want me and Jordan to answer or you feel like. I feel like y'all already kind of did to be honest. Okay, cool. Unless you had something, Megan, you just look like you get you to say something. I just was going to say, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know if there's a final answer. I just think um, I would say my only request of people who make those decisions is to try to think about opportunity. You know, they often talk about, oh, we want to create representation and opportunity. And I think that they don't realize that the representation lies not also in the character, but in the person you choose to play the character. Representation means creating opportunities for people who can identify. Um, And so while I understand that it's acting, I do think that, it, it is only fair to, if you write a role that's about a Black woman, consider a Black woman. You're writing for transgender men, consider transgender men. And that that's just my only feelings on it is I, I would like for them to consider people who can identify first because only then do you really have representation. That was nicely said, Megan. So <laughs> we're going to go into the news. We don't have a whole lot of news for y'all because really this week, one specific event took over the news uh, for the whole week. So we're going to talk about this riot at the Capitol by Trump supporters. So if you have been living under a rock is the only way you did not know. Terrorists, terrorists, they're terrorists. Yes, terrorists. Domestic terrorists. (laughs) If you did not know, some domestic terrorists uh, ran up on the Capitol and literally broke windows, um, you know, came in there and was acting like they was at a theme park somewhere, you know, like it was some kind of interactive event, grabbing stuff, taking stuff off of walls. There's a picture of a, a man running around with the podium. Uh, it, y'all, it was a hot ass mess. There is just no other way to put it. There was no security. There was no um, National Guard. There was nothing. And they literally were able to waltz in. I don't know for sure. But I don't think there was maybe but one or two token black people involved. Um, the majority 
were white people. And this is not against white people in general. We know that there are good and bad in every race. However, the reason why this is important to bring up race is because if y'all don't remember, (laughs) the Black Lives Matter movement occurred in 2020. And if y'all don't recall, they were ripped to shreds by the media. They were talked down about. It was a constant, oh, you know, y'all are destroying our country. This isn't the way to handle things. This solves nothing, da 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 right? But when these domestic terrorists ran up on the Capitol, broke windows, forced their way in, even had pipe bombs in the building, had um, what you call the hand ties. They were intending uh, to keep like hostages. They came in with weapons. Again, y'all, y'all literally walked right in and nobody said anything or did anything. And like I said, they were a overwhelmingly white mob. So I just want to point out the racial disparity. I don't think I really have to say anything else on that, but I will let Megan and Jordan take the floor. Well, I guess the first thing I'll say is um, Val, a.k.a. my mom, a.k.a. Valerie X in these streets, if y'all don't know, um, she was telling me this story about how like some black lady was out there. And I'm not trying to start this off with a joke, but this was actually very funny. She was telling me this story about like how some black lady went out there to support Trump. She was a Trump supporter. And the lady was talking about how the white people, the mob, then turned on her because she was black. (laughs) My mom was like, as they should have, because she shouldn't have had her black ass out there. No way. And I was so (laughs) weak. I was so weak. But yeah, um, now it it was really just a hot mess because I, I also read reports the other day where they actually smeared, you know, feces down the walls of the Capitol. And it's just like, how disrespectful can you be? And the irony of it all is you were out there attacking the same police officers that you were trying to convince us whose lives mattered. You know, like America for white people has just always been a completely different experience than for a black person. I mean, that we knew, but I just feel like the acts and the symbols that we saw at the Capitol earlier this week, I really hope our allies see this. You know, like the, the white allies that we have or the allies of other races that we have, whenever they're living in ignorance and they see how, um, you know, how America is for them when they come up here as immigrants or what have you. But when they see the disparity of how America treats them and when they would hear us tell them how America treats us, I feel like now you see it. You see how America treats black people in reference to white people in any other races. And it was just disgusting. It's been disgusting. This whole 2020, this whole presidential just um, time that Trump has been in office has just been a complete shit show and disgusting. And what we saw at the Capitol, I mean, was beyond the cherry on top. Shit, shit been just left to begin with. Shit has really just been left. And I'm, I'm so mentally drained. I'm so tired from it. Like... It's really a wonder that as black people, we just really not walking around here gun toting and just slapping (laughs) any white person down, pistol whooping white people for the hell of it, because we just have so much pent up just uh, uh, from COVID, from Trump, from racism, from all the shootings, from this shit that they did earlier this week. Like we really are just too nice in reference to how we handle ourselves and, and how we handle them and 
baby to live in America without repercussions, it must be nice. It must be nice. So go ahead. That's all I can say. Um, I will say on one hand that when all of this happened the other night, it felt good to be sitting back, feet kicked up, knowing it wasn't my people. You know what I'm saying? I felt like we as black people had finally had us like a, a bougie Aunt Viv moment. You know, we was just sitting on the couch watching. It wasn't us. It was them cutting the food. Um, But just the whole experience. I mean, I think you both said like so many meaningful things. Um, And I had a few friends the other day calling me like, Megan Luther King, Megan X, because I had, no, for real, because I had this status on Facebook, and, like, I mean, I just wrote it because it was my feelings, but I didn't know it would blow up the way it did and have, like, all those shares. I think, um, I don't know, like, over 100 people shared it or whatever, but oh, it was okay, no, completely out. unexpected. I was just writing my feelings. I did share it. I was one of the, <laughs> one in the number, because I should you hop on and share real quick, <laughs> I was just sharing my Jordan, it's like four days later. But, <laughs> you know, I stand by what I said. And I think that that was the most disheartening thing is to know that it's Black people actually um, protesting for a cause. Because these terrorists were protesting um, because your candidate lost. Black people have been protesting because they keep killing us because of the way that we look. So two completely different things. Um, but I think just it was so disheartening to know that, like, we would have never reached the steps. I mean, we would have been dead on the street. They would have been cleaning our bodies off the street for the rest of the night because they would have gunned us down like animals. And that would have been that. We would have never got inside. Hell, the House and um, Senate representatives might have not even known we was out there because that's how fast they would have shot us, potentially from down the street seeing us walking. Like, it just it's two completely different things. And that's what's so sad um, to me. But then on the other hand, I know that Jordan and I kind of discussed this on Instagram, you know, Donald Trump had told us that this would happen at the debate when he said that, you know, good boys or whatever, stand back and stand by, whatever, you know, boys stand back and stand. He said that. He said that this rally was planned for months. All you had to do, one of the senators, I forgot his name, he made a great point on CNN. All you had to do was look at a freaking Reddit form to know that people were flying in that they had weapons, that they were coming, that they were ready. All That's all you had to do. And, and to know that like the National Guard request was denied. You know, I think that we are, it's crazy how history repeats itself. We are clearly in a, um, in a civil war, in my opinion, right? We're, we're clearly there. Um, because to know that you didn't even have the presence there because you don't see you know, you don't see them as the same threat that you see us. It just speaks to how, you know, there are days where I feel like, oh, our country has come really far. And there are days like the day that this happened where I feel like we haven't made any growth at all because y'all still fear us for the simple fact that we look different from you. And you still have this assumption that we're going to be violent just for the sake of it. And, you know, I'll probably get some backlash from this, but this is why I stood on what I said when Nick Cannon was under fire. I agree with him 100%. History shows that, you know, not all white people, I'm not, I don't have anything against like white people, but I'm just saying history shows that it is in their nature to be more savage-like than it is ours, judging by the way that we got here to begin with. 
And so, you know, when I saw that, that's just the main thing I thought of was like Nick Cannon was on something. I mean, this this savage like behavior, it don't come from us. It comes from them. But yet Mm -hmm. we're the ones being killed in our homes, being killed in the streets, you know, for nothing over nothing. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy that it's over. I'm angry that there were under 50 arrests and there were almost 500 just at one rally alone for Black Lives Matter in D.C. over the summer. Um, and, and the 40 something of those arrests that took place in D.C. the other day were for people being out after curfew. So that lets you know that less than five were um, due to actually, you know, breaking and entering um, at a government building in domestic terrorism so i'm angry to know that a lot of these people are still walking free i know they arrested podium guy or whatever the guy the guy who took the podium they arrested the guy who had his feet on nancy pelosi's desk and i don't know if y'all saw his quote he said um that's not her desk that was my debt my desk i pay tax dollars and she wasn't appreciating the desk so i ain't seen nothing wrong with me sitting down putting my feet up that's what he said he said that was his desk and he's gonna walk away scot free. Yeah, I mean he's it's the audacity and entitlement. Exactly. It's sickening. It's sickening. Because it's you sickening. pay taxes. We all pay taxes. What you talking about? Yeah. You don't have a choice in that. What are you talking about? But yeah. we'll see. I'm just um, you know, I know that we all don't like agree with, you know, everyone's political opinions and stuff, but I will say on a lighter note. I am happy that no one was hurt because I don't think people understand like Mike Pence was there, um, Chuck Schumer, um, Nancy Pelosi, you know, numbers two, three, and four in line, if anything were to happen to the president, were in that room. Um, And judging by the materials they found on those terrorists, I believe wholeheartedly had they gotten that room to those people, um, a lot of them would have been dead. I think we would have been looking at a mass murder here. So did you all... Oh, go ahead, Dice. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I mean, they clearly came in to create a hostage situation yeah. to possibly um, kill somebody. I mean, that that was evident. I they, clear, they didn't get that far, but they came in with that intent. And I think that's the most dangerous aspect of the whole thing. Uh, go ahead, Jordan. Well, I was just going to ask if you all saw the photo of the people, um, like, I think they were in the house or whatever, but they were crouching down, like they were crouching down. And that was just such a hard image for me to see. Like that really spoke volumes to the severity of the situation as if the headlines and the videos didn't do it alone. But for me to see that photo, that was just so, so disheartening. And that is probably the one photo that scared me the most because to see the leaders of your country crouching down in fear of their life it's just, it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. All they're trying yeah. to do is make their country <laughs> a sound place, you know, law-wise and government-wise. And they got to get under the desk. You know, people were, um, I heard one senator say on CNN that he had told everyone, you know, take your pins off so that for those of us who they don't know, they can't identify us in case they get in. Like, people were strategizing ways to not be recognized as a house representative or a senator 
I'm so sorry. I just feel like this thing was handled like, you know, elementary school doggone tornado drill. Like, I mean, it, it was just, it was just so <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> like, it was you know, everybody just put their head under your desk. Okay. Like, that's not going to do shit. Like, I just, you know, they should have never been able to get in in the first place. I mean, police officers were, you know, moving barricades out of their way so that they could storm the Capitol. I mean, it just, it was disgusting. Like Jordan said, it was a disgusting display of privilege no other way to put it it was a privilege that they knew they had that they could do something like that um i wanted to add that since this happened of course you know everybody's been talking about it all week long and one of the things that has come up too is the punishment for for trump because he clearly did not do anything about it um clearly incited the riot and so, you know, whether you're a Trump supporter or not is your business. Um, I'm not really here to advocate um, for or against Trump because I just don't give a good goddamn. I just feel like at the end of the day, if you allow anybody to storm the Capitol building or any government building, then something ain't right with you, period. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, if you allow that, what else are you willing to allow? Because you didn't get your way. Um, that's where the problem lies for me. This just don't have any type of dignity or self-respect for your role to where you're like, yeah, do what you want, you know, very radical um, in your thinking. But nevertheless, there have been talks about whether or not he should be impeached at the you know, last hour. Um, and, you know, I think one of you had mentioned to me earlier today that uh, they had suspended his, was it Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, his Twitter. I'm unsure about the Facebook, but I know for sure Twitter. Okay, so they suspended his Twitter account. So anyways, I just want to know y'all's thoughts on the impeachment and on him being suspended on Twitter. Possible impeachment, sorry. They're either going to do impeachment or 25th Amendment, but one way or another, I believe they're going to fight like hell to get him out of there. Um, It's not that it means so much from a serving standpoint, but I believe what they're trying to do is if they can get this strike against him, they can stop him from running in 2024. And that's going to be so important um, because I just don't think that we can take it. Like, I don't think our country will survive it if he can run again. So I, I hope. I hope they can do it. Um, I've seen people who I've never in my life seen say anything in support of the Democrat side um, say that they're in support of it. Like, I think anyone who has sense knows that, like, all right, enough is enough. Like, this isn't about Republican or, you know, am I Republican? Am I conservative? Am I a hard lefty? Like, it's not about that anymore. This is about, like, our safety at this point. Um, I agree with Megan. Um, in reference to the impeachment, definitely think it, it needs to be done and for the purpose so that he can't run again, because that would be one of the byproducts of it. But also, too, I just kind of see I see the impeachment more. Well, I won't say more, but equally as a symbolism as well of the repercussions, because just as we mentioned, you know, audacity and um, privilege and all those other, you know, adjectives to describe <laughs> white terrorists. Um they, they don't have a sense of, like I said, repercussions. And I do think it's time that he, of all of them, see some form of repercussion for the way he's been acting. He, he is literally the embodiment of the white man's power in America and the idea that they can do whatever they want to in this country and damn near steal it, which is what he's trying. He's already robbed it and now he's trying to steal it. And so we, we have to stop that by all means. But if anything, we have to attack the ego so he learns a lesson as well. 
And I feel like this impeachment would be um, a nice uh, symbolic method of doing that, if not only for him, but for his supporters as well, so that they can know this man cannot run a country the way he has and torment the hell out of a group of people, shoot all of us in this country who didn't support him, but allow the police to torment us and um, torment black people and not think that there's any repercussions or backlash that he should have to face. So definitely feel like the impeachment, no matter what time it comes, will serve a twofold purpose. Let me ask y'all a quick question. Um, did y'all see where they said that they have uncovered that like there were several off-duty police officers and um veterans and stuff out there? Did you see that? I believe it. I don't think I saw it. The only thing I think my mom told me about some man that flew from Chicago out there to go riot and then got mad because he was caught and talking about he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> he tried to lie. <laughs> Folded and he folded. <laughs> He's at the wrong place at the wrong time. He should have never been out there. Like, yeah, okay, you just mad you got caught. Now you damn right. You should have never been out there. That is hilarious. <laughs> Some wrong place, wrong time. Child must be nice to use that excuse, huh? Um, but you know, we are I'm I'm really happy that we're back. Season two is gonna be bigger and better um to our listeners out there don't forget to subscribe to our podcast we are on apple Podcasts. um we are on spotify we are on google Podcasts. we're on so many platforms y'all just look us up and subscribe so that you can get alerts every time new episodes air and we also want to invite y'all to follow us on youtube instagram facebook twitter all that good stuff and our um social media will be in the description of this episode so Please join us next time. We're happy to have y'all back and we'll see you next time. Oh, also be sure to catch Malcolm and Marie coming on Netflix February 5th. Y'all know I got to slide in a little club for my girls in day. Sorry. All right. We out. We out. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.